This is the Kaizen Way, the show dedicated entirely to continuous improvement. Join us every Thursday for new episodes on popular platforms like Spotify, YouTube, Apple, and Google Podcasts. This show is proudly sponsored by Monarch Kaizen LLC, your one-stop shop for robust training solutions for soft and even most specialized of skills. Find them on the web at modernkaizen.com and all major social media platforms. We thank you for joining us. Now, without further ado, here's your host, Mike Monroe. What's up, everybody, and good morning. This is Mike Monroe, your host of The Kaizen Way. I'm super excited to be here this week. I've got one heck of a guest for you, and we're going to, as we always do, go down the rabbit hole and talk about continuous improvement. So I'm really excited once again. Let's go ahead and jump right into the show. I'm joined this morning by Hector Naranjo. Hector, good morning to you. How are you? Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm very good. Thank you so much, everyone. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. We're going to have a ton of fun, uh, as that is kind of our MO. Um, so, you know, Hector, I, I know you personally. I know you have a ton of experience. But, you know, talk to the audience a little bit about, you know, who you are, uh, what you do currently. Um, and then, you know, give us something a little unique about you. What, what really kind of defines your spirit? Okay. Um... Well, I have been teaching Lean and Six Sigma for almost 15 years uh, in different countries. Um, something that I love about it is that you can be doing something about continuous improvement. It doesn't matter about the culture, the type of company, or even something that we, we, we have, I have been implementing many things. Um, in companies where we think that Lean or Six Sigma is not uh, to that type of company. And that is something great about it because when we approach with the Lean and Six Sigma principles plus one personal way, because something that we need to understand and something that I love is that when we uh, or when we are trying to implement something is to understand the process first. That's something that we need to know because sometimes we just wanted to follow like a recipe. Let's do one, two, three, and four. And we don't know nothing. We don't know anything about the process or we don't know uh, what is happening there. So that's why it's something that I always um, check to understand the process and also the people, how they feel and everything, because that's also really important in order to have a really good experience um, on these philosophies. Definitely. Buy-in is something that we talk in a, a lot about on the show here, because uh, I've noticed a lot of times the buy-in ha happens to be, you know, a major wall, right? Because change can be really uncomfortable, but, you know, Kaizen is literally defined as change good, right? Um, so that's, that sounds like it's, it's something that's really unique. What about, what about something personal, like something that that's outside of your, your lean world or are you, are you solely, defined by Lean and Six Sigma? What, what's something that kind of uh, is, is something you do outside? Uh, something that I love to do at, and I always get fun is to, when I travel, because I love to travel, is to see uh, my environment. Could be a cafe, um, um, any, a mall or whatever, or a, a place, a park. Um, when we are there, even if I don't like it, I always see 
the process. It's like uh, I'm getting fanned because when someone is waiting for something and when they give the order incorrectly and they don't know how to handle that, it's like I always thinking I am vacations, you know, have fun. But I am, I am, I am always watching that, and it's like it's, it's kind of funny because it's like uh, there are many things that you can change, uh, and people don't do it. Uh, maybe uh, they could do their job easily, uh, and that's because they don't know those principles, those basic principles. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> and it's. It, to, to kind of hone in on this point specifically, like just recently, uh, we ordered a bunch of food for, you know, the Super Bowl that had just passed. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> and, right. And the, the, the order was just completely wrong. Like it was missing so many things like I, I mean, about as wrong as it could be. Right. So, of course, the restaurant, you know, they 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 fixed the order and all was well. Uh, but, it, you know, I, I'm the same way. You know, I'm thinking about while I'm going through the process, thinking about their processes and do they really understand the process? And if they did, could they have less shrink in more opportunities to, to churn more food, right? So that's another great example as well is that, you know, lean and Six Sigma and process improvement, the Kaizen way isn't something that's specifically tailored to the manufacturing industry. Um, which I think is is really cool, and I've noticed uh, the more time I spend with Kashan, the more I start to really look deep into every single process. Like it's crazy how uh, how it applies to so many different things. So, um, Hector, I know you said uh, you know you've been an instructor now for for fifteen plus years, which is uh, a very long time. I mean, you've seen, especially in the manufacturing space. I mean, you've seen manufacturing change so much through those 15 years. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about your journey. You know, where did you start and how did you end up where you are now? Okay. Oh, that's a really good question. Okay. Uh, I started working at, uh, in Mexico um, and I was uh, working there in different um, companies, uh, improving their process with Lean and Six Sigma. At the beginning, we were more focused on Lean because in those years, people were, were not prepared yet for Six Sigma. Why? Because there were many things obvious to do it. Uh, there, there were um, so many activities to do it be, uh, to be, that need to be done before applying, you know, this kind of experiments uh, or something more, or hypothesis testing. Uh, that is like, at, that day, uh, at that time, uh, people told me, why, why won't do what? We should be applying this and that and everything. And I told them, come on, first we need to understand how to, what is a process that is a standard or even five S's before uh, start running. So uh, at the beginning, we, I, I was more focused on that in Mexico. After that, uh, I, I have a really good opportunity to move out of Mexico and I was living in Peru. Uh, then Venezuela, well, that was many years ago. Um, and it was really fun because it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter the country. Uh, at the end, we have the same problems, but the culture, yes, it affects a little bit, but we can apply it there because I was also in Bolivia, uh, Ecuador or Ecuador, or I don't know the <laughs> Ecuador or Ecuador, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, so I had the opportunity to be there. After that, I go back to Mexico. Then I moved to US and I was um, 
working uh, in different companies in the U.S. That's where I met Kishan. And and it was really great to be working also there. And I thought, because it was America, that they will have less problems. And Mm. what happened? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Most of the problems were the same, but just the uh, maybe it was more easy to organize because people have a different mindset and it's and they understand better this and that. But at the end, uh, most of the problems were the same. So, so it is really great because it's like uh, I always thinking that we can improve something even in our lives to do something better every day. So, with that approach. If we apply it at the companies, that's great because every day we can be doing something about it. And something that I love about this journey is to have like a track indicators or something to see that difference. Because sometimes we think, oh, we we are doing that better. Well, how do you know that? It's just Mm -hmm. because you think, you believe, uh, (laughs) you're thinking about it. No, you need to have numbers. Right, like to say, oh, I was that before. I was like this, and then I'm like this because of that or something. So that's something that, through the years, it's something that I I always try to to share with people. Um, we don't like to be monitored. It's like when we go to the doctor, the doctor always tells you you need to do exercise, you need to do this and that. That we say, no, 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 come on, no, I, I don't need it. But after you do it, you're gonna be see your health levels better, right? It's the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Well said. That's a great analogy. Because, you know, really people don't like to be monitored. And, you know, ultimately at the at the end of all this, I mean, at the core of everything is is the fact that these decisions are driven by data. And it's really important uh, for historical data because you can't figure out where you're going if you don't know where you've been, right? You need to be able to benchmark that data uh, to be able to have that baseline to see, you know, how these these improvements are, you know, improving. And sometimes, you know, there's things go awry. I mean, it's just human nature. And sometimes you don't improve, right? But without that benchmark or that baseline data, you you really can't be the wiser. Um, it's actually it's it's really funny to me uh, that you know you're hunker you hunker down on the process and sp- you start you know at the granular level like we really need to understand the process before we can start scratching off a lot of the other things on our wish list and I've seen this time and time again um, even with some of the RFPs that I've seen come out uh, where it's it's obvious as you're reading the RFP that they tried to do these things on their own um, and they got stuck. And it's likely by reading it that that's really where they got stuck is that either A, they didn't properly identify the root cause or they didn't really take the time needed to really understand the process. Um, so that's that's really interesting. I love that that perspective there. Now, on the, on the topic of perspective, it, it sounds to me like you're a world traveler, like you've been all over the world in you know, a lot of these principles, they, they seem to, to really kind of be the same no matter where you go. Where, what, what countries have you taught in? You said um, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia. Where else have you gone? How many countries? Um, uh, what else? Um, also, well, uh, those are the, the countries, the ones that you uh, mentioned. Uh, Mexico, Colombia, and U.S. Yes. Nice. nice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um you know, like you said, there's a, there's a lot of the similarities, right? Um, what, and I'm just curious, you know, with the different countries that you've taught in, um, what country 
implemented or I guess embraced the culture quickest? And what do you what do you think was the the leading cause of why they were able to to come up to speed so much faster? Because you had mentioned like with the USA that you would you perceived it as like, oh, these this is gonna be moving, right? But it's you know, it's the same problem. So, you know, through your history, which one was the quickest and, and why do you think that was? Okay, I, I have um, because I, I have been in, uh, for example, I have been working more in U.S. and Mexico. Uh, let's uh, take example for those countries. Um, I will say that in both in Mexico, I, ha- I, I have been in companies and also in U.S. that they move really uh, faster applying this culture. But what I see or what I uh, why why was that uh, or why why that happened? It is because the directors or the owners were committed were committed with these lean philosophies. I will say that that is crucial, uh, that they will understand, they will embrace those changes because if they are not predicting with example, people will see it. It's like when you say that uh, five S's, uh, house key, house um, keeping uh, the, and the order and everything. Um, and when people see that the director or someone is at the parking and they are smoking and they threw away their, 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 their cigarette, people see it. Mm-hmm. And how will, if you are a director or an owner, and if people see that, do you think that they will clean their area if they see it, that the owner or someone that is above, they are not following something really basic? I think that's the, the, the answer. Uh, we need to trust um, and believe that these, um, these tools and these philosophies will work thanks to the example. And also, we need to share what we are doing. That's also really important in order to have a really good um, implementation. Because sometimes we try to implement something and looks like only uh, the some managers and some directors are the ones who are going to be implementing. And no. Uh, for this implementation, everyone should be involved. If people don't feel involved on these philosophies, you are going to have a huge failure because they don't, maybe they won't understand why it's important um, or the, 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 how important these philosophies are. Yes. Well said. And, and like I was mentioning before, I mean, buy-in is, is something that I'm seeing as a consistent major barrier or major bridge in the success or the failure between some of these great projects and their implementation. And it, it is, it's, it's so important that it really comes down to those details, whether it's the cigarette, but after you just got done telling everybody to implement five S right. That's, that's really not a good book. Uh, so, I mean, you could, you could easily see how people are not going to take you seriously. So um, it, it's, I, I love that. And I mean, I've, I've seen it firsthand that, you know, the leadership really needs to buy in, but more importantly, everything really does need to be shared because ultimately people will understand where their piece in their process is. And the more that those folks can identify their part in the process, it seems easier for them to take ownership of that part of the process there specifically. And without that ownership, you can't have buy-in, right? So, um, that's a really interesting perspective. And, um, I hope, um, 
you know, it's something that as, as our listeners are, are listening, that they can ultimately, you know, take that and really try to hunker down on, on the buy-in there. So, you know, Hector, since we're talking about buy-in, and I do really think it's incredibly important, what are some ways that you've seen to help implement that buy-in? Um, you know, what are, is there anything that you've noticed that's effective um, with implementing these processes from the buy-in kind of perspective? Like, is there something that you tell executive leadership when you're, you're training with them? Um, like maybe how critical their perspective is? What, is there a secret sauce? What do you think? <laughs> okay. Uh, what, what I uh, always suggest is to work uh, together with human resources um, because they are really good um, if you work with, with them and uh, maybe with a communication plan uh, how to share things maybe via WhatsApp, email, maybe some uh, board um, uh, and, and some or, or different boards at, at the company. That kind of information uh, is better. We don't want to give only one day a lot of information and then forget it. No, we need mm. to have a communication plan. What are you going to be doing week two, week, week six, week eight or something to the, to the entire year? Um, what you're going to be doing on how you're going to be sharing different um, uh, this information. And that information, uh, it depends uh, also about the uh, who is uh, or, or the people that are working with you in which um, I will say classification there are. Could be baby boomers, centennials, millennials, because uh, if you're millennial, maybe you're going to be needing everything by cell phone or something. But if you're in a different um, I will say um, age generation. or something. Maybe you like you you like more to receive the information uh, in a letter, maybe with a stamp or something. Uh, sometimes we don't put attention on those details, but I always think that those are important because you're we are we're giving uh, or we're sharing the information um, on the people that they want, on the age that they want, and they will feel more comfortable. Well said. Mm -hmm. Diversifying communication is incredibly important because you're a thousand percent right. I mean, people engage in different ways. And I mean, even removing the generation piece of it, I mean, there, there may be a boomer that is absolutely, you know, attached to their cell phone, right? And a millennial that's just like, I'm so sick of social media. I want everything in paper, right? But it really comes down to, you know, ultimately how they want to digest that information. And then similarly too, what's really critical is that repetition in the consistency of that information. Like if it's a board in their work area uh, or an email reminder with metrics of, you know, the improvements of that week, that consistent communication is really, that's a really great point on, on ultimately how to curate buy-in because I, I've noticed, especially in today's world of white noise, right? Where it's just, constantly everything is calling for your attention you have push notifications nonstop. the the tv's on you know at any given point there's usually two or three screens in any room right and it's just this constant you know grab for attention so in order to really communicate you know you have to compete with that all of that that grasp of attention that's happening from everybody else that's, that's trying to take attention from you know whoever's a part of the process too. So that's a really good point. I'm a big believer in diversifying the way that we communicate. So thank you for that dearly. Now, 
We've come to the part of the show that um, I always like to to give our guests an opportunity to to talk about something unique, right? Talk about uh, initially what was the outrageous way that a, uh, a, a continuous improvement initiative was uh, was developed or you know initiated. So so Hector, to you, what uh, what is the most unique or the most outrageous way that you've ever implemented a continuous improvement project? Okay. Um... Uh, something that I love, uh, I love. Um, I, I help one student. Uh, she she wanted to present one um, uh, DMake uh, project, and um, and she, she was working in one company and um, something. But she told me, uh, Hector, I want to do something. Or how can we relate? For example, um, my condition because she was diabetic. Uh, she mm. is she's, she's still, but I want to represent that on data. And I told her, well, uh, that's something that uh, that I like it, but I haven't done that. I told her, but mm. let's try to do it. For example, um, and we uh, start collecting data. She bought. Um, because of her condition, her sugar levels are up and down. That means that she had a lot of variability on the blood sugar. And she bought, there is like a device, um, I guess the, the brand is Freestyle or something, when you pinch your arm, and mm -hmm. it collects data every 15 minutes. Hmm. So she had a lot of data on that um, about collecting the, her sugar levels. So the good news is that we had a lot of information about that. And her sugar was up and down. And then we established the input. Well, she did it with plus her doctor. Obviously, uh, everything, she was doing everything also plus her doctor. And she um, uh, put a lot of inputs, uh, like, for example, the, if she uh, was uh, the, the type of food that she was doing, and she, she had different types of food, and something funny when we were analyzing data, because at the beginning, uh, maybe we didn't establish well the inputs, but something that we start analyzing, I remember on that project, on weekends, her sugar levels were up, up and down. What do you think that happened on weekends? She was going to the movies. She was, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, eating with friends and drinking a few wine and, and everything. And immediately uh, during weekends, uh, was it was... There, the data doesn't lie, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so at the beginning, we that was the first uh, thing that something that we catch. But the good news is that she realized uh, why about all of the of the um, uh, advices that the doctor was giving her. So uh, also we add about the the medicine that she was taking, and also we add one other factor about the it was the food. And also exercise. Mm -hmm. Well, she had that. She didn't like it to do the exercise uh, at the beginning. And then, because it, I was helping her with that pro, with that uh, project for almost seven months or something, because uh, she was like trying to. Oh, we got holidays. Let's stop. And then every it was like uh, it was not moving the way that we wanted. But but at the end, I know that that was a complex process because that's not. It's something that is not simple and that's something uh, more difficult. Why? Because it's the human body. At the end, it's not mm -hmm. a process, right? It's like, uh, believe me, I'm sure that we didn't get all of the inputs, the right ones, but 
we got something at the end of the on the process. She did hypothesis testing. Uh, she did an ANOVA and everything. And at the end, uh, one of the factors that affected the more the sugar uh, levels on hair, that, that is only her hair case, was the... Um, the exercise, doing exercise, uh, was uh, was helping here on, on the sugar levels, um, uh, and also the healthy sugar, mm. and that's something that she knew right before the because that was one of the advices of the doctor. But somehow she didn't want it to maybe to follow and everything. But after she saw the data and everything and the, those inputs, uh, she believed on that uh, and she said, mm-hmm. "Well." The, the good news is that I know how I need to control my body, how to keep my sugar levels, everything uh, uh, on the right level. Um, and that project, even if we didn't save money, right? Because on that pro- project, we didn't save money. But the purpose of the, the approach was something related on health. And that's something that I, I, I love it because that was something new for me. Um, because it's um, at the end, if we collect data, we can be doing or analyzing something about it. Absolutely. And while you may have not saved money, you definitely saved life, right? And, and that's that's and just as important, just, if not more important, right? And I, I love that because, you know, the, the doctors, <laughs> well, you're just a doctor. What do you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just as guilty, right? But it, I love that, you know, that's a perfect example that, you know, you can apply these processes even to your day to day. Like I, I, I always like to joke that, like even with my morning r- routine, I'm looking at you know the steps that I'm taking and the stations that I'm visiting around the room as I'm getting ready, right? And then okay, I went there and back. What I could have gotten both of those things in the first, you know, and trying to operate. I mean, you can really apply these 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 principles and these practices to anything in your life, which is is really 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 cool. So that is definitely a unique story. That's uh, that's much more on the personal level, uh, and I really uh, I really appreciate you sharing that with a sector that was really cool so it, it sounds to me like she's kicking butter is, is she having those that wine on the weekends i know my mother <laughs> is guilty of that she does that like every saturday like why am i spiking maybe it's the two glasses of white wine you had i don't know <laughs> i mean in the same breath too you know the meaning of life is living right so you know you have to kind of enjoy yourself too so it's all about that balance right oh it cracks me up well, on that note, you know, we're coming to the end of the show here, and I always like to give our guests an opportunity to do some sort of a promotion, right? Um, so, Hector, is there anything coming up that's maybe like a public webinar, um, maybe a book that you got coming out? Um, what do you want to tell the audience about? Okay, that's something that I uh, I love this question because, yes, I started to write my, my book about uh, – about how we can apply Lean and Six Sigma, but in our real lives. It's like more in a more general or practical purpose. Okay, so with with that type of experience, uh, the one that, that, that I just shared with you, um, I'm, I'm sure that, that we can be uh, applying these kind of things every day. So I, I will uh, finish that. And as soon as I finish, I will let you know, guys. 
<laughs> Super cool. That book. So what I'll plan to do then is that um, once the book is uh, is complete, I'll bring you back on the show. We can kind of talk a little bit more about you know your book and the journey through the book, uh, and then we'll make sure to drop a link too, so people can get it from Amazon or or wherever it is that you want to uh, uh, to drop it. So that'll be really yes, fun. I'll um, make sure to keep you. Uh, and also, I, I will do it in Spanish and English because I I uh, like uh, at the same time I will put it in both languages because that I'm most, I'm most getting used to when my first language is Spanish. But also, I have been working uh, a lot in um, in English, so it is going to be in, on both languages. Okay, <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, like I said, when the book comes out, I'll definitely bring you back on the show um, and uh, we'll get a chance to, to kind of go into the details of, uh, of the book. It sounds like a bunch of fun. Um, so, Hector, um, you know, for our audience, what's the best way for our audience to connect with you? Um, do you is, is a LinkedIn message the best way to connect with you? What's the best way to connect? Uh, I do have a LinkedIn, but it's not updated. Um, I do have a um, um, profile on Facebook, uh, um, a business profile. You can look for me for Hector Naranjo, and you will find my profile there. Yes. Beautiful. And I'll make sure to drop that link too for our listeners that uh, want to connect with Hector on Facebook, uh, you know, after the fact. Um, Hector's amazing. We, we actually utilize Hector all the time, uh, for a lot of the trainings that we do here at Modern Kaizen. Um, and Hector's, uh, one of those great instructors that we utilize that always has glowing results from everybody that, uh, gets a chance to, uh, to receive his trainings. Uh, it's really wonderful. So on that note, uh, we've come to the end of the show here. Once again, Hector, I cannot thank you enough for joining me this morning. Uh, it was a bunch of fun. I really enjoyed your perspective on the variety of ways that we can apply continuous improvement. Um, and I think it's really important, once again, that you know we look at ourselves and we look at our daily processes uh, because those can always be improved too, right? The improvement doesn't just happen in the workspace. Uh, so again, thank you dearly. Thank you, everyone, for, for listening to the show. Um, I will see you all next week for our next guest, which will likely be Javier from Machine Tech. It'll be a lot of fun. So I will see you guys next time. Hector, once again, thanks. Thank you. Bye.